I want to try to talk to you about a little issue. You've heard uh, Donald Trump wrote a book years ago called The Art of the Deal. And it was about always trying to figure out a way to win, you know, persuading people to your point of view. Well, he's got his work cut out for him. <laughs> but I do like the title, The Art of the Deal. In other words, it's about winning. I like to win. And I realize that we only get one chance in life to, to go through it. No reruns, no instant replays. You get one shot at it. So this life is something that I want to win. There's things that God talks about in his word. And I uh, found that the word win, believe it or not, was only mentioned in the scriptures twice. One in the Old Testament and one in the New Testament. The word win only mentioned that many times. Two times. Winneth, I thought I'll try winneth. It's used one time. So there's not a lot of verses that talks about winning. But the whole Bible is about winning. And so the Lord has left it. For us to read, study, and find out, you know, those who want to win in life. Now, there's a lot of things you can strive for. But God says you can gain the whole world and lose. You can lose your whole life because you didn't win the best thing. So the art of the deal is finding out what does God say about success, about winning. And we want to win. I do. And so it determines what you do with your life. So I wanted to listen to somebody who wins, and so that's the Lord. He knows all about how to win. Because he says there's the devil, there's the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life, there's people in this world, there's fallen angels, there's all kinds of things going on. Everything's striving to make you a failure. To see that you ruin your life, waste your life, so that you're not a success in God's eyes. See, if you're not a success in God's eyes, you're a failure. You didn't win. I want to win. So I want you to take your Bible and turn to the book of Philippians in chapter 3. The book of Philippians, chapter 3. There's a, uh, a verse there that I want you to look at. Paul just explained who he was, who he thought he was. Like saying, to, do you know who I am? Do you know what I've done? Well, he says, look, look who I am. He said, I, I'm somebody. So in verse 7, he makes a statement. Circumcised the eighth day of the stock of Israel of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, touching the law, a Pharisee, concerning zeal, persecuting the church, touching the righteousness which is in the law, blameless. But what things were gain to me, those I counted lost for Christ. In other words, it really doesn't matter who he was and what he had done. There's something better. Some people would have been satisfied just because, hey, he finally made it to the rank of being a Pharisee or he was the Sadducee. There's so many things and causes in life that we can spend our life doing. I've had people trying to get me involved in a thousand causes, but I think I have already got the best cause. People are lost. People are going to hell. And I don't want to live for any other reason. I think I've already found out what is the greatest cause of all. I can get in. There's a lot of different reasons. 
lot of things that people get involved in. That, that, that's fine. But as for me, I've made up my mind years ago. I've only got one reason for me living. And that is that I want to try to figure out a way to try to win as many people to Christ as I possibly can. So when my life is over and all the other things have faded away, the people that I have reached for the Lord can never be undone. They can never be lost. I gained. I want to get to heaven and see people that have reached that pinnacle of faith where they put their trust in the Lord and they're in heaven because you passed this way. And so therefore, there's a lot of things you can do in life. But then finding the priority, that is important. So he makes this statement in verse 7, But what things were gained to be those I counted lost for Christ. And then look in verse 8. Yea, doubtless, and I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Jesus Christ, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do count them but dung that I may win Christ. To have not just salvation, but to have something worth living for that God says is worth living for. So if you gain the whole world and you lose the purpose that God had for your life, then you will have loss, not gain. It means you didn't win. So I want to take and have you look with me in the book of Proverbs. Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs chapter 11. And you'll notice there's a verse there that's um, it's a verse worthy of uh, being underlined and to memorize. It's an awesome verse. But notice, now years ago, I would read these simple little verses. They didn't seem to be so deep. I wanted some verses I could understand. I overlooked a lot of books and chapters, but I would find little things that I could understand. And if I could understand it, mark it, memorize it, then maybe that'll hold me on course for the rest of my life. See, I want to have a simple life. I don't want my life being complicated. I don't want to be a multitude of decisions. Just, I made up my mind to trust Christ, and I made up my mind I'm going to serve the Lord. And so I make all my decisions based upon, is this helping me to serve the Lord? Or is it hurting my testimony? Is it hurting my reputation? Is it hurting my character? Is it hurting or is it helping? So look what he says in verse 30. Verse 30, the fruit of the righteous is a tree of life, and he that winneth souls is what? Is wise. So I just took it from that verse. He that winneth souls is wise. Well, I don't want to be a fool. I want to be wise. He that winneth souls is wise. I want to be wise. So what must I do? Win souls. And so it didn't matter what price I had to pay. Win souls. Just, just do it. Honor God's word. Sow the seed and you'll be surprised at what will grow. Put your confidence in what God's word says and it will work. Now take your Bible and turn to the book of Joshua. The book of Joshua. And these are some of the verses that has helped channel me to where I believe I am today. I didn't just automatically one day show up and I'm 75 years old and I've never done anything before in my life and I just happen to be the pastor of this church. There's a progress. There's decisions that were made. 
lot of decisions that had been made. I'm thankful that I've lived this long. God's been good to me, and I don't know how much longer I've got, but I've already told everybody that I wanted y'all to come to my 100th birthday. So reserve that so that you can try to make that. Look in verse 5. Look in verse 5. Chapter 1. Chapter 1, of course. I thought y'all could read my mind. (laughs) Joshua chapter 1, page 259 in an old Schofield reference Bible or church Bible. Verse 5 says, There shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy thy life. Isn't that a good verse? Just think about what that verse says. That's a promise. You see, God made a deal. He made a deal with Joshua. He says, This is what I will do. This is what I want you to do. And if you will do what I say do, this is what you can have. The art of the deal. Finding out what's the deal. What what do you want me to do? What are you going to do if I do? And what are you going to do if I don't? I want to know, Lord, is it going to be worth it? Is serving you Worth it. I only got this one life, and I think about what, what, what do I want? What do I want to do? What do I want to be? Where, where do I want to go? Look at all the things that a man can choose to live for in this world. Look at all the different kinds of jobs there are, the things you can be. But Lord, I only want to do what you want me to do. I want to know what is the art of the deal. And look what he says. In verse the last part of it says, So I will be with thee, I will not fail thee, nor forsake thee. Be strong of a good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to give them. Moses is off the scene, and God has brought along Joshua. And now God has said, As I was with Moses, I will be with you. And then he tells him what I want you to do. He said, Be strong and very courageous. In verse 7, that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee. Turn not from it to the right hand or to the left. In other words, I don't want to get sidetracked. I want to have blinders on. That there's nothing else in this world that so interests me that I'm willing to give up this cause that God has. There isn't anything in this world worth living for if it contrary to the will of God. So you find out what does God want. And the art of the deal is understanding clearly what God wants. And then saying, is that what I want to do with my life? Why should I do this or why should I do that? And think things through. What is the will of God for my life? And then notice what he says here in verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have, what's those two words? Good success. You see, success is being what God wants you to be. Success is doing what God wants you to do. So God wants you and I to be found faithful. Because if you're faithful to do what God wants, you will be successful. I want to have a successful life. You want to have a successful life. But some people's success is different than others. 
You want to be a success in business. You want to be successful getting a, a, a wife or some kids and your, your, your money you make and where you live. Those are nice. But what about what God wants? Always be asking, what does God want me to do with my life? And then notice what it says in verse 9. Have not I commanded thee, be strong, be of good courage, be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. Get this, for the Lord thy God is with thee. And that is a great comforting thought. To know that a man can trust Christ as Savior and live 10, 15, 20, 30, 40, 50, 60 years and know God is with me. He said he'd never leave me and he'd never forsake me. Is that true or not? So you know that you and the Lord make a majority. And whatever the will of God is, me and God is a majority. If I long as I do what God... Did you know between me and God we know everything there is to be known? <laughs> between me and God, we can do anything. But without the Lord, you can do nothing. But with the Lord, you'd be surprised what you can do. Trust the Lord. Obey what he has for you. Take your Bible and turn to the book of Daniel. The book of Daniel. Daniel and chapter 12. Daniel chapter 12. I want you to see this. This is simply a couple verses that really made an impact in the early formation of my life. Why did I want to do what God's word says? In chapter 12, look there in verse 1. In verse 1 he says, And at that time shall Michael stand up the great prince which standeth for the children of thy people. And there shall be a time of trouble, such as never was since there was a nation to the same time. And at that time thy people shall be delivered, every one that shall be found written in the book. This is referring to the tribulation period that is yet ahead of us. So God enabled Daniel to write prophecy. Daniel did not always understand what he wrote. God told him to seal up the book until the time of the end. But there's something that is understandable, something that is revealed here, something that does help us. Look there in verse 2. And many of them that sleep in the dust of the earth shall awake, some to everlasting life, some to shame and everlasting contempt. Now get the difference. Some everlasting life. And some to shame and everlasting contempt. Which one do you want? Is it clear? It's, it's right there. It's clear. And then notice what else he says in verse 3. And they that be wise shall shine as the brightness of the firmament. And they that turn many to righteousness as the stars for how long? I want something that's going to last. I don't want to waste my life. But God made a deal. If I would serve him, he says that you will, if you'll turn many to righteousness, shine as the brightness of the firmament forever and ever and ever. You see, I don't have to understand everything, but I know enough. I know that I am a, a sinner saved by grace. I don't deserve that. But the reason that I trusted Christ as my Savior is because God made a deal. Now, you stop and think. I'll learn a little bit more by watching what's been going on in this last election. And understand a little bit more about the office of the executive branch of the government. 
and the legislative and the uh, judicial. Uh, but they have a guy that comes out just about every day, the press secretary that comes out and tells you what the president said or what he really meant. And he answers all these questions and all these people asking questions. And he says and represents the president of the United States. Now, there's a lot of people that can watch what somebody says. And then they have to have their experts, their commentators, tell you what they really meant to say because you weren't able to discern what they really meant. I think that I said that right. And so you have people who are trying to represent and hitting it from a different view, but it all depends on whether or not did what he say really what you thought he meant. And so they're trying to explain it to us. And they have all these experts. You ever wonder where those experts on all these panels come from? They're everywhere. And so far, not a person has called me up and asked me my opinion. <laughs> as smart as I am, I ought to be invited on every talk show. But so far, nothing. Therefore, I must not know anything because I'm not an expert on anything. But I believe I'm an expert in the art of soul winning. That was the name of my first book that I ever wrote called The Art of Soul Winning. And that was the name of it. Now I call it the Gospel Driven Man book. But it was the book that I taught it for the Bible, The Art of Soul Winning. Because I think that it's an art. It's something learning how to win, persuade someone to put their confidence, their trust in Jesus Christ. How to open up the conversation and how to bring them to a close. How to get them to sign on the dotted line and how to do all of that. It's an art. Now, some people say you've got the gift. No, it's an art you can develop. And if you'll understand that when it comes to salvation, there's a lot of people who are trying to speak for God. God said in his word, by grace are you saved through faith. But we've got a lot of those um, expert commentators that try to tell us what God really meant to say. Where God says it is the gift of God. No, no, well, well, well. He really meant to say you have to earn it. When God said it's not of yourself, well, that, that, this is what he meant. And then they try to make a deal with the people that are listening to him. That if you want to go to heaven when you die, this is what you have to do. And what they tell you to do is that you've got to be good enough and earn it. And so there's a lot of people that are making that deal. So they go to church because they're under the impression, if I do this, I'll get this. But see, that's not the deal God made. So they're wasting their life trying to fulfill this dream or this deal that they have with God. And if I give money, and if I go to church, if I live a good life, don't beat my wife more than once a week. They think that all these good things that they're doing, but see, they made a wrong deal with the wrong person because see, that's not what God said. So Christ came into the world, died on the cross, paid for all the sins of the world, and all that you and I have to do is believe he did it for us. He said that if you'll believe it, this is the deal. If you'll believe that I did that for you, I'll put that payment to your account and give you eternal life as a free gift, and you don't have to earn it. And I can close on it today. You want to get something, you want to close today. 
That was the best deal I've ever heard. It's a deal that wouldn't cost me anything. And all I had to do is believe on Jesus Christ and look what I would get. And all the people that are chasing a dream that can never be fulfilled. They made the wrong deal with the wrong person, the devil himself. And they're trying to get something that God says can never happen. For by grace are you saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. But we have experts, preachers all across the country trying to tell you, well, that's not really what he meant. He meant you got to stop being bad and you got to start being good. And both of those are works for salvation. It is the gift of God. And when it comes to the Christian life, there's people who don't understand how serious God is about this. He wants us to dedicate our life to Him and to serve Him with all our heart. And God said, if you'll do what I asked you to do, He said, I'm going to do some things for you. Take your Bible, turn to 2 Chronicles. 2 Chronicles and chapter 16. My father-in-law showed me this verse. I didn't know this verse was in the Bible. I had no clue what the book was talking about. I didn't even know what the chapter was talking about. But I saw a part of a verse, and it burned into my mind. And I want you to see this verse, 2 Chronicles chapter 16, and verse 9. See, we all have a reason why we do what we do. But in verse 9 it says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth, to show himself strong in the behalf of them whose heart is perfect toward him. And my father-in-law told me, he says, the world has never seen what God can do with one man that's totally yielded to him. And I sat there thinking, I want to be that man. The world has never seen, I want to be that man. Now, you may not think, well, you'll never be that man. You ought to see what God had when he started with me. I mean... When you understand it and realize my testimony and where I came from and what I've been through, my testimony today is a living miracle that this book is true. I have tried to apply the principles that are found in this book. And I've lived long enough to see that what God says, it is true. I've watched people deny its truth, go against God, resist the Lord, and I've watched God whoop them and whoop them and whoop them. And I've also seen people that have put God to the test and they've trusted Him. And they followed Him faithfully. And I've watched and seen the results down the road of how God is blessed. It's, you can almost live by sight instead of just by faith. Because you can see what God is doing. But God's Word is true. And I love that part of the verse. I don't care about the verse before. I don't care about the verse afterward. I don't even care about where it's found. But I marked it in my Bible because that, that meant a lot to me. The eyes of the Lord are running to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for Yankee. Wanting to know, will he serve me? And I said, I'll make a, God a deal. Lord, I'll serve you. I don't care what happens. I don't care how bad things are. I don't care what you have to take out of my life. I said, don't. Don't hold back anything. You are free to do anything in my life you want to do. Good, better, it doesn't matter. Take everything I've got away from me. They sung that song last night, uh, Jesse did. For whatever it takes for my will to break. I mean, that's an awesome song. 
He ought to come up here and sing it again. But that is an awesome song. God has been so good. Now take your Bible and turn to another verse with me. Look in Psalms 37. Psalms 37. Psalms 37. And look there in verse 4. Verse 4 and verse 5. When I saw those verses years ago, I thought, this is awesome. I'm sitting there thinking, and I forget all about, you know, what anybody else is saying, and I'll think about a phrase. You notice in verse 4, Delight thyself also in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. That seems like God wants to make a deal. Like God said, hey, I'll make you a deal. You delight in doing whatever I want, and you shall have the desires of your heart. In other words, if what you want is to serve the Lord, God's all for that. And if you'll take and dedicate your life to the Lord, it's amazing how that the Lord himself can give you desires that can be fulfilled because he's the one who gave you the desire. Delight thyself in the Lord and he shall give thee the desires of thine heart. Well, if I saw that verse 50 years ago, and if 50 years later I should be able to look back over my life and say, did he keep his word? Did he do what he promised? So I can say 50 years later, God kept his word. I delighted to do whatever God wanted me to do. And I have lived long enough to see I've gotten the desires of my heart. God has blessed my life. And I may die tomorrow, but I have enjoyed my life with the Lord. You don't know how long you've got, but I can tell you this. I believe that God's word is true and God means what he says. And the art of the deal, when it comes to salvation, it's totally free. Requires nothing of you except your faith. Will you believe he did it for you? When it comes to the Christian life, God says, I want you to give me your all. Serve me with all your heart. Love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, mind, body, soul, and strength. Not to get to heaven. But because I want whatever it is God wants me, I want to accomplish whatever God wants me to come. I want to do with my life what God wants. Is it worth it? He made a deal. Every child of God, he says, if you'll serve me, him will my father honor. God wants us to be found faithful. And if you will, God says he'll bless your life here. And every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor. And when you get to heaven, God's going to reward every man according to his own labor. But God doesn't make you labor. God doesn't make you serve him, but it's the art of the deal, really understanding the deal. I can't see why anybody would pass up such a deal as this. Dr. Stanford used to always make a statement. He says, when that man explained the gospel to me, Cliff Nero Fowler, it was an offer I couldn't refuse. Think of the word, an offer I couldn't refuse. In other words, it was such a great bargain, such a great deal. I can't turn it down. Why? It's free. So he accepted Christ as his Savior. Do you know there's an awful lot of people in this world and they're going to be in heaven because they're so glad that Dr. Stanford didn't turn down that deal. And to make up your mind, I'm going to serve the Lord. You realize you're serving the Lord is revealed by the art of the deal? Do you really understand that there's nothing that the devil can offer you, there's nothing that the world can offer you that is better, superior, in any way, over what God says, if you'll serve me. You may lose a lot in this life, 
But you're going to, you ought to see your retirement plan. You ought to see what I've got waiting for you. And if you believe it, it's amazing what God will do. Now, very quickly as we're moving along here, I don't know if I'll finish all of this, but I'm going to do my dead level best. Turn your Bible to 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. 1 Thessalonians in chapter 2. And look in verse 4. You don't have verse 4 in your Bible underlined. You, you're probably not saved. No, but you ought, you ought to underline it. Aren't you glad you're saved by grace? Now look at verse 4. This is on page 1268. But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God, which trieth our... Do you think it pleases God for you and I to preach the gospel that he has entrusted to us? You think so? Then that's one of the reasons. You say, well, you're supposed to because you're the preacher. No, I'm preaching because I believe that and because I did that. You see, what this verse is talking about, this is something every child of God ought to do. God's children, all of God's children, you've been put in trust with the gospel. So you speak, not as pleasing men, but God. It pleases God that you will be found faithful to do what God wants you to do. Now take your Bible and look in 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians in chapter 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And look in verse 11. A verse 11. The verse right before it tells us that uh, we know we're all going to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. Every one of us, all of God's children. It means we're going to have to give an account someday. So then he says in verse 11, Knowing therefore the terror of the Lord... We, you ought to underline those three words. We, well, what do we do? We persuade men. Soul winning is persuading people to put their trust in Jesus Christ. Even Felix said to Paul, he said, almost thou persuadest me. Almost you persuaded me. You ever heard that song? Almost persuaded. Almost persuaded. You can be almost persuaded, but eternally lost. And some people are, well, they're planning on doing it down the road, trusting the Lord. Do it now. It's so important. Also look down in verse 14. Verse 14 says, For the love of Christ constraineth. In other words, this is your motive. Constrains you, motivates you. Because we thus judge. In other words, because this is how you're thinking. You're supposed to judge this in your mind. This is so that you understand the deal. You, see, you can't judge something because you, if you don't understand the art of the deal, what God promised, what God wants. So he says, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then we're all dead. And that he died for all. That Get this, they which live. He died on the cross, paid for the sins of everybody. But they which live, those who do trust him, those who have eternal life, here's what he says, should not henceforth, that means from now on, live Unto what? From now on, you're not to live for yourself. You may. Your salvation isn't dependent upon who you live for. But the love of God constraineth us. In other words, I should learn to love the Lord. 
Because I know that God loves me. And love should respond to love. It's the love of God that helps to restrain your life. That keeps you from doing things because that hurts my father. That hurts my father. I can't do that because that, that, that hurts my father. I don't want to do anything that shames my father or hurts my father. I just don't want to do that. So it's a restraining force in your life. If you don't love the Lord, then you don't care if you hurt him. You don't care if you violate his principles. You don't care if you waste your life. But loving the Lord is the only thing that holds you on course. Betty and I have been married 56 and a half years. June will be 57 years. Now, that's a long time. But one of the things that constrains me to do right, and be a good husband, a good father, is because I love my wife. But if you take away the love, there's nothing to hold you on course. Truth is supposed to constrain us to do the things that are right. So notice what he says. He says in verse, last part of verse 15, Unto him which died for them and rose again. You should live for the one who died for you. Who died for you? Well, the Lord. So why should I serve him? Look, God will make a deal with you. You put him first. You serve the Lord. And you'll be surprised at all the good things that God can do in your life. And how he can bless and watch over you. And how he can move you here and move you there and do all the things that happens to you. But he'll do it because of his honor and his glory. Because God wants to be able to use you freely. God doesn't want to chasten us. He wants to bless us. But if we refuse to obey the Lord, our Heavenly Father, because He loves us, won't let us go. He's going to chasten and discipline. That's why I said that there's no problem that any teenager has that 30 or 40 years can't correct. And He'll bring all these things to your mind. Take your Bible down, turn now to the book of John, the Gospel of John. The Gospel of John. And look in chapter 12. John chapter 12. Remember the scripture tells us in the book of 1 Corinthians in chapter 4 and verse 2. It says, Moreover, it is required in a steward that a man be found faithful. If you're faithful, you are successful. Because God will reward you for your faithfulness. Not the results of your faithfulness. Be found faithful and God will use you. God will bless you. Now notice what it says in John chapter 12. And notice... He's talking here in verse 25. Get what he says. He that loveth his life shall what? Lose it. If you'll give up your life for the Lord, you'll save it. Majority of Christians, I don't think, really understand the depth of this truth. Get what else he says. He that hateth his life in this world shall keep it unto life eternal. Understand him, that your love for the Lord should be so strong that your love for everything else seems like hate. And then notice what he says in verse 26. You ought to underline verse 26. If any man serve me. Now this is not for salvation. Salvation is always free. But if you will serve me, look at the deal he makes. If any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father what? Uh, There's a deal. I want the Lord to honor me. I want to honor him. 
I want God to praise me. Therefore, I have to praise Him. You see, you reap what you sow. You want love, sow love. You want joy, sow joy. You'd be surprised the difference it can make in your life of what God says in His Word. You shall reap what you sow. You sow to the Spirit, you shall love the Spirit. Reap the things of the Spirit of God. You'll have such wonderful life and joy and peace that God has promised to those who put Him first. It's right there in the book, If Any Man Will Serve Me. I want to close with this thought. Years and years ago, after I had trusted Christ as my Savior, I came to understand a little bit better of the value of a decision that I made. You see, sometimes we make decisions and we don't know how valuable it is or how terrible it is. Have you ever bought something at a flea market and you got home and it didn't work. But you thought it worked, but it didn't work. I'm going to take it back. They're gone. And you've lost money. You ever bought something, even a piece of land? And then because, well, it got a little tight, so you sold it. And later on, that same piece of property is worth thousands and thousands and thousands of dollars today. You thought, if I'd have only held on to it. But I didn't know. you realize how valuable some of those silver quarters would be worth? If you'd have got all that paper money that we had back then, it was backed by a silver certificate and you just got that silver or got that gold, how much more valuable it is today? But sometimes we don't know, but we make deals. Have you ever gotten married and thought this was the best deal I've ever made? <laughs> and then... And then the war began. And have you ever questioned whether or not, boy, if I had to do it over again, I wouldn't make that mistake again. So some of us, I shouldn't say us, it's not me. Some have to live with your mistakes. And you realize that, man, I should have thought this thing through a little bit more. I'll be honest. I did not take seriously marriage. I didn't understand the value of what I was getting. I didn't understand it at all. I was a, a dumb, stupid teenager. Didn't think about anybody except myself and whatever I wanted. When I saw Betty, that's the one I want. And so I went after Betty. I met with her boyfriend that she had. <laughs> and I took care of that. He said, what did you do? I threatened his life. That's all. <laughs> Nothing serious. Because I knew he would be, he, so he backed off. And anyway, I went after Betty. And I even asked her dad, can I, can I marry her? And he said, no. <laughs> I says, why? He says, because you don't have a job, you don't have any money, you don't have a place to live. And her mother says, and you're a hoodlum. <laughs> and everything they said was the truth. But I didn't care. I'm going to get that girl. And now... I didn't understand that what I had was so valuable. She was just another teenager, but there was something about her. And after she married me, and her dad led me to the Lord, I began to slowly realize, I got myself a, a jewel. I don't deserve this. And to realize that 56 years later, I've never met a woman that I thought was better than what my wife is. What a deal. And the thing is, 
I didn't pay anything to get her. She bought me for five bucks. <laughs> and I thought, I just, you call it grace. It is grace. I don't deserve such a wonderful, but that's the grace of God. God has been good and has blessed. And I thank the Lord for my children, my grandkids. I thank the Lord for this ministry. I don't see how God has so blessed. I think it's all because God knows in my heart, I love him. I love him. And the Bible says that God is seeking those who will love him. And I love the Lord. And I love the Lord more than anything else in this whole world. And I want to please him. So I'll try to be a good dad. I'll try to be a good husband. I'll try to be a good preacher. But you're secondary. I love him more. Now, if I ever stop loving the Lord, I lose everything. I want to gain. I want to win this art of the... I want to make the best deal I possibly can. You hear Trump talking about he wants to renew these deals and so forth. Like I've, I've made the best deal in the world. And I don't have any regrets that I trusted Christ as my Savior. And I don't have any regrets about serving the Lord. I'm just thankful that somebody explained some things to me and that explained a few verses to me. To, and I saw those verses and I will think about that. Man, I don't want to blow this. I've only got one life to live. I never thought I'd live this long, and that's the truth. I thought somebody would have done me in by now. Look up here very quickly. This is you and me. This is sin. Everybody has sinned. But God loves all of us. He hates our sin, but he loves us. And for us to pay for sin is eternal separation from God in a place called hell. But God wants us to go to heaven, and because heaven is a perfect place, we're not. Because of sin, we can't get in, so... God says you have to be perfect, and none of us are perfect. God says you cannot earn eternal life. You can't work your way to heaven. It's by grace. It's not by your works. So no man can earn eternal life. This hand represents Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. He came into this world because, well, he loves us. Well, he hates our sin because our sin separates us from him. So Jesus Christ, who had no sin, didn't have to die. But because he loved us, he took all of the sins of all the world, paid for it on the cross, came back from the dead. He said, if we would believe that he did it for us, he'd put this payment to our account. Remember this. It's so simple. Why did Christ die for us? He died to pay for our sins. Why? So that we wouldn't have to. And then he came back from the dead and says, the only thing you have to do is believe I did that for you. That's doable. You can do that. Is where you believe that. And so when you believe it, he puts this payment to your account. You go to heaven on what he did. Why? Because, see, this payment was for all of your sins. The reason you can't know you're going to heaven until you know you can't go to hell. And I can't go to hell. Why? Because I don't have any sins to pay for. He paid for how many of my sins? Christ died for my sins. And I'm going to heaven because he, all he wants me to do is just believe he did. Why should I pass that up? There's no trace to it, no gimmicks. A man has to be a fool to turn down a free gift like that. Wouldn't you say? Let's pray, shall we? Every head bowed and every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're here this morning and you've never trusted Christ as your Savior, would you trust Him right now? Just say something simple like this. Lord, I know I'm a sinner, and I believe Christ died, that He paid for my sins, and I'm going to trust Him right now as my Savior. Friend, God said if you'll trust Him right now, He'll save you right now and give you eternal life. Right now. And when you get up to leave, you can say, I know I'm going to heaven because Christ died for me. He paid for my sins. Would you do that? I'm not going to have you forward, but right where you're sitting, you said, Preacher, that made sense to me, and I want to know that I'm going to heaven. 
and I'd like for you to pray for him. Would you slip your hand up very quickly, put it right back down. Anyone at all? Anyone at all? If you've already trusted Christ as Savior, you that are watching by internet, right on the screen says, yes, I will trust Christ as my Savior. If you will do so, we'd love to hear from you. It just lets us know that someone trusts the Lord. Our Father, we thank you again for your blessings. Thank you for all you've done for us. Thank you for this time together, for all the goodness you've done for us, and help each one to understand my heart, where I'm coming from, and why I want the best for them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.